Get this on YouTube. All right, y'all, Millionaire Podcast, Charles Ogilvy, Todd Millionaire, here for another amazing episode. This brother comes highly recommended from my good friend, Rob Boyd, and uh, you're actually local. Are you in California? You're not in California? I am. I'm up in the valley here in LA. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the Inland Empire area of Southern California. So uh, heard really, really good things about you. Heard you are the webinar king. You've done multiple million dollars in webinar sales and just crushing it in the online game. So we're going to learn a lot from having this conversation with you. Uh, welcome to the show, Jason. How's it going, man? It's going better than good. <laughs> so can you tell people a little bit more about who you are, uh, where you're from, and how life was like growing up? Yeah, I mean, life for growing up sucked. <laughs> I uh, I grew up in Iowa, which is why I'm wearing the Hawkeyes hat here today and small town in iowa it just a really tumultuous childhood uh, got post-traumatic stress disorder from it depression massive anxiety attacks and just the desire to escape hell you know before you get into heaven you got to get out of hell so this whole focus became very early on in my life uh, I, I took responsibility on if i don't like this what can i do about it and just worked really hard to figure out how to do that failed miserably uh, up until I was about 25. And then I started doing some online marketing stuff. Sincerely, uh, I was first trying to start a record label like when I was 2021. And that didn't work. But that drove me into business because I was all about the arts. And I'm like, oh, there's a business, you know, the business of music, the music business. And then from there, I got into marketing, try to market my music business. And then I'm like, man, this seems a lot harder to market entertainment let me market something else because marketing became really interesting to me. And so then I started doing marketing, affiliate marketing to promote other people's stuff. And then I started uh, being a ghostwriter. So people would hire me to create content for their marketing sites. That's the first money I started making online. And then I built a little system on how I was creating this content, created an information product out of it, sold that in 2007 for a whopping $4 a pop. And that was the start, really the real, real start of an empire that's now sold hundreds of millions of dollars wow wow so um what were your first businesses like and what did you learn from those yeah i what was great about what i did was well, the first thing i tried to do online to make money was be an affiliate uh, and back in 2007 article marketing was a really effective way to make money online because you could get your traffic for free you'd write a little article you'd publish it on a site like easy articles that was the number one site that you'd publish it on and you'd get a lot of traffic. So the idea was you write an article there, put a little bio link at the bottom of your article to get them back to your website. And then once they got on your to your website, you get them to opt into your email list. And then on your email list, you would then market affiliate products. And I tried that. I made a little bit of no money, but not much. See, at the time I was, I was painting houses for 12 bucks an hour because I had to like make ends meet. I had to pay the bills. And so I was making more money, 12 bucks an hour painting houses than I was as an affiliate marketer. 
Uh, but then that led me to the second business, which is I could write these articles really fast. Uh, so I'm like, let me just let me get out of painting these houses and uh, working for somebody else and let me work for myself. So I hung my shingle out there and I, I said, I'll write articles for you. And a lot of people needed articles written back then. So, you know, quickly I started making 20, 30 bucks an hour writing articles because I charge them per article. Then it was just on me. How fast could I write these articles? Mm-hmm. Started making 40, 50, 60 bucks uh, an hour writing articles, which was great, but it was still trading time for money. And that was when I decided, hey, I'm going to put this into a, an ebook. I'm going to show the system of how I'm writing these articles hyper fast and they're still high quality. And I could write them on topics that I knew little to nothing about. So I put together that little ebook and I and I went to this forum called the Warrior Forum. It's the biggest internet marketing forum at the time. I don't even know if forums exist anymore, right? But uh, back then, that's what it was. And you could take a $20 classified ad out, an online classified ad uh, in one of their sections of their forum. And I did that. I took that out there and I said, listen, I got this product. I'm so confident the first time that you go through it, it'll cut your article writing time in half. Uh, and I'm only going to charge you four bucks for it. You yeah. want it? Go here and buy it. <laughs> and people bought it and they loved it. They immediately used it and it worked. And that was such a rarity. And I got so lucky, man, because they went back to the thread. This was like web 1.0, social media 1.0. It's first time ever you could have real time kind of social media feedback. Uh, and they were like, this is awesome. This is great. This is fantastic. So that sold a couple thousand units just right out of the gate in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, all right, I got it now. I'm going to be an information marketer. I'm going to publish, create information products, publish them and market them. And then that's what I pretty much did for the next year. Uh, and then that, that led me into the webinars, which was the complete game changer for me. Yeah. Why webinars? Because for me, I, I'm in kind of like the same space. I haven't really leveraged webinars because a lot of people still think webinars are old school. Or they might think that maybe consumers aren't really big into webinars. Have you seen something different? Yeah. <laughs> like last year, we did a launch. Uh, it was $57.9 million in 226 days. And it was almost all predicated on webinars. In fact, there was no other way to buy unless it was through a webinar. Huh. Uh, and we're talking 2021, 2022, still working strong. Uh, you know, when people hear webinars, what it's not TikTok. Let's put it this way, right? TikTok is the flavor of the month right now. And it's funny because somebody listening to this three months from now, they might not even think TikTok's hot anymore because the problem with these trends is they come and they go very quickly. You can't mm-hmm. build businesses around them. Should you use them? Absolutely. Uh, but if your business requires a temporary thing that's in vogue, you're going to eventually lose. You're not going to win. Uh, right. And so- why webinars? Webinars are the most effective, most efficient way to reach a mass market of the best buyers in that market and be able to do that very quickly and serve that audience first before you sell them. So yeah. then that 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 um, accelerates the sales cycle. So instead yeah. of it being like, uh, you know, 21 day from I've never heard of you to here's two thousand dollars. It can yeah. it can turn it into here's I'd never heard of you three days later. Here's two thousand dollars. Right, right, right. And that's really effective. It's like, you know, have they been there, done that? Yeah. I mean, you can't half ass a webinar anymore. So I know a lot of guys that uh, when webinars became in style, uh, they could practically do nothing and make money with a webinar. Those guys are broke now. Because easy come, easy go. And so is it the hottest thing right now? No. Is it the thing that I always reach for? No. There's other tools in the toolkit. 
However, nine times out of 10 for the businesses that we run and that we advise and that we work with, I can't beat a webinar. I wish I could beat a webinar. I wish there was something better than that uh, for the longevity and for the ability to reach people in mass and, and make the money that we make. So man, the best thing that I could ever do to anybody is get them started in webinars. Cause I think if they, they put their mind to it and they're willing to try it out for a period of time, um, I don't think they're going to make any more money doing anything else. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious because I know before when you were writing the articles, you're writing articles for um, businesses and different niches that you didn't have that much knowledge in. Right. When it comes to information, because I mean, for me or from anybody else, it's like you only have your knowledge that you can essentially market and sell. But it seems like you might be able to have the same ability to bring other people with other knowledge and then package it up into your platform and then launch it to the community. Yeah. And that's often what we do now. Uh, the thing is, is like there's there's information and then there's the framework in which the information is presented in. Uh, and if it was information alone that was enough, then anybody with a library card could be a millionaire. Um, the trick is knowing how to present the information to create transformation. And that's a lost, lost art, my friend. Um, I have this theory that says learning doesn't occur unless behavior changes. Mm -hmm. So if you if you procrastinate all the time and then you come to a webinar or a seminar or you listen to a podcast that teaches you an implementation strategy uh, and you don't feel any different, you're still going to procrastinate. It doesn't matter that you've enhanced your your knowledge base. You didn't change your feeling associated mm -hmm. to procrastination or your feeling association uh, associated with taking action. Yeah. And so we have to both present the information and present it in a context where there's a an identity shift uh, yeah. and we break belief patterns and all this other stuff. So once I started dealing in frameworks, the information is out there. Researching it is easy. It's how do we present it in a framework where somebody can understand it sooner rather than later and somebody can change their emotional state yep. from a, uh, one of fear to one of excitement, for example, or at least curiosity. And that's what we try to do. Uh, now, ultimately, you have both. You have some sort of information that nobody else has and you can present it in a way that's transformational. And so that's what we try to do. So we either try to find that information ourselves by going out there through experience, or we find other people who have that information who aren't marketing it as effectively as they could be. Yeah. Uh, and most subject matter experts are terrible marketers because they spend all their time being a subject matter expert, right. very little time marketing it. The flip is true, by the way. Uh, really good marketers spend no time becoming experts at anything. So they sell you mediocre products with, 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 with superb marketing. We try to do both. We try to find or create the superb subject matter expertise that you can't get anywhere and then marry it with top class marketing. So we have yeah. the best information and the best chance for transformation. <clears throat> and that's what we do. And we utilize a lot of frameworks to do that. So the most recent launch that you guys had, what was that one? And how did you get to the point where you got 57 in the launch? Yeah, it was insane. I mean, when you go to that level, there's a lot of not necessarily, I don't know if you call it luck or not, but uh, we, you know, we hit the crypto market at that point in time when it was red hot. Uh, the good news is, is we weren't just taking advantage of the trend because the, the thing that we published, it wasn't our thing. Uh, it was somebody else that they came in and they published it in our company and we provided the marketing around it. Um, it works regardless. It still works right now. Um, now, perception trumps reality in marketing. So if people are scared and they hold it like a dirty diaper, I don't care. No matter how good it is, nobody's going to buy the thing. 
but at that period of time, all the stars aligned and we were able to more effectively help people understand what they could be doing in crypto, which was an alternative to everything everybody was telling them about crypto at the time. Everybody was chasing moonshots and getting all this hype. And we presented it as a smaller yet better alternative to what they're probably doing with their money right now without them having to spend a lot of time in order to do that. And that's a very hard position to actually put out there in the public. And it took me lots and lots of time and effort to get it there um, before we rolled it out to the public. But that was the big launch that that, that crushed it for us. Uh, but we've had many, many other launches and many other spaces. And so what you want to do in that situation is you got to have the chops. So when the opportunity occurs, if you have the chops, then you can take most advantage of it. So when we we made, oh, gee, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 million dollars on Amazon back in the day, because Amazon was in this transitory period where it wasn't all just big brands anymore, but but new brands hadn't really been hip to it or turned on to it or have the resources that they do now uh, back then. So we were at that perfect crossroad. But like I always reminded people, because back then we were putting up numbers that nobody had ever seen before in our space. I said, any technique that I used on this launch, I had used three or four or five different times on other launches. So the mm-hmm. idea is you have to have the best ingredients to cook the meal, but you got to be the best chef too. And then occasionally you get both. You get the best ingredients, the best timing, the best chef, the best people that are hungriest who are most favorable to the foods that you're making if we want to continue this analogy or this (laughs) metaphor right uh but that's really the name of the game uh but but we were able to then sell it via a webinar and it went away nobody else could uh and so 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 get the chops man is what i'm always saying it's like if you have the skill set eventually the opportunity will come there where instead of making a million you'll make 10 million or instead of making a hundred thousand you'll make a million you'll you'll level up because you were prepared in advance for when the opportunity occurred, you had more value you could provide to the marketplace. What does marketing look like when you're driving traffic to your webinar? And is this a free webinar or is it a pay webinar? Yeah, this is a free webinar. Um, almost always we use free webinars. Um, and here's the, here's the philosophy <coughs> behind that. Uh, the best way to sell somebody is to show them what it's like to be your customer before they pay you money. So it's like, you want to be a customer of mine. Let me give you so much value in advance that you it's risk-free, essentially. You say, wow, if this is what he can do for me for free, imagine if I paid him some money. And so what I love about the webinar is it's value in advance. Mm-hmm. So instead of you taking the risk on me, I'm taking the risk on you. Uh, now, there are other ways you can do that. But again, most of them are slower and most of them are not as in terms of they're not as orchestrated. So like somebody could come and watch YouTube videos of you and be like, dang, he's bringing it. I want to know more about him. Right. That's a little disjointed. It's not a funnel per se. It's not uh, a coordinated effort to help somebody and then eventually give them something to invest in, which mm-hmm. is ultimately how you truly help people. You don't really help them for free. It's it's way harder. But up front, we give them that experience. Here's what it's like if you were to be part of what we're about and that's what that's why i like making them free uh because the risk is on me i have to put my time and effort into the thing and i have to try to compel you to want to buy my thing uh, by value by demonstration and that's exciting to me because if you get that right you're going to win bigger than anybody else if they put the risk on the customer and not on themselves uh it's going to 
it's an uphill battle. Uh, so I want to it's I want to put it on me and say, OK, I just got to bring it. How can I put something together that is so compelling that that person uh, will realize it costs them more not to buy this thing than it does to buy this mm. thing? Mm. Uh, and you get so many shots at it, too. So if you don't get it right the first time, as long as you're sincere and you leave with value, that audience will show back up a second time. They're yeah. like, hey, that last experience was great. Uh, even though I said no to your product, I said yes to you. So you got something else for me. I'll check it out. And then we both win point of sale and over time through repetition. And I think that's why webinars, another reason why they're so effective. So when you're doing these webinars, are they live webinars or they record webinars? Are they one of those like evergreen webinars where they go to your page and it's like, all right, well, the webinar starting in an hour, two hours. What strategy do you use for that? Almost always their life. And that is, you can't beat life. Okay. Um, there's a reason why concert tickets sell for a lot more uh, than MP3s do. <laughs> same music, same artists, same everything for the most part. Uh, and one is an experience and the other is a product. Hmm. And so live webinars are an experience. And the downside, of course, is you got to show up live. Um, so I get that. Uh, also, there's strengths that you can play to or play against. So some people are just terrified to, to speak in front of people live. Uh, I would hate for them not to use webinars because of their fear of public speaking. In that, in that case, you might want to just do pure automated webinars or pre-recorded webinars. Fine. Uh, you will lose money that way. Uh, but it, it, if it works, it works. I'd rather you use the media as best as you can. Uh, the other reason I like live is not only does it suit me, uh, it's it's the most, it's like if something happens yesterday, like today I could do a webinar on it. So if something disruptive happens in the marketplace, immediately you can get on in a dynamic, interactive environment and be first to market to communicate that to a different audience where these more orchestrated, like I got to build this thing and I got to have 56 moving parts to make it work, all that kind of stuff you're going to get the second bite of the apple at that point in time. And disruption is where all the opportunity and where all the money is. And so I like the agility of webinars from that perspective. But the most important reason I like a, a live webinar, uh, and you can make it automated over time, but a live webinar to me is the opportunity to learn the heartbeat of the market. So I might have an hour and a half of material on a webinar uh, in terms of slides and formal presentation and that, but then I'm going to get to a point where I run out of slides and I still have an audience. And if I did a good job, then that audience is still interactive and communicating with me and putting stuff in the chat box. To me, that's when the webinar really starts, because mm -hmm. now I can have a conversation and I can figure out, well, what's going on? You know, what, what is it about this thing that you need more insight on? What about this that you're having uh, that you're having trouble wrapping your head around with? Is there anything I can do to be of service to you? And I'll go two or three or four hours in some instances, especially when there's hundreds of people on a webinar uh, to try to figure that out. Not only will that increase sales right there, but more important is it increases insight. Oh, now I really understand the problems of my mm -hmm. audiences. Now that I understand them, I can create even better solutions for them. I can communicate towards those problems more specifically and better than I could any other way. So, man, if you're not doing live webinars, you lose that. You yeah. lose that ability to, to tap into the heartbeat of the marketplace. And if you understand your customers better than somebody else, you will sell and you will serve them better than anybody else. How frequently are you doing these webinars? Um, I wish I could do them more. <laughs> I uh, I do them as it makes sense to do them. These days, less so. 
Uh, if I was young and hungry, I'd be doing at least once a week. When I was coming up on the webinar scene, uh, I was doing sometimes three or four a week. Uh, there will be opportunities. Um, my philosophy is when it's raining money, you get a big bucket and you stand outside for as long as it rains. So when these opportunities, there's ebbs and flows in every market. When massive opportunities hits, I will be doing two, three, four, five webinars yeah. a week in some instances. Uh, when it's back to business as usual, you do them you know, once every other week, uh, once every three weeks. I, I don't think I've done a webinar in the last four weeks, uh, which is kind of crazy now that they think about it. Uh, but usually somebody here's the, here's why, web, here's another reason why webinars are so effective is somebody says, Hey, I want to promote your webinar. I got this audience over here. I got a whole bunch of people. I want to promote your product on a webinar. And the way that that works is we typically split profits, uh, for most products. And so like, if I go on, if I, if I go into their audience and sell a hundred thousand dollars, they make $50,000 and they like promoting these to their audiences because, um, it's value first again. What yeah. I can do for free on a webinar will typically be better than the products that that audience has paid for in the past. And so it's it's risk-free for the vendor that controls that audience to partner with me. And it's risk-free for the audience to be involved with it because they're going to get some insight potentially. Mm -hmm. uh, and then maybe we can make some money together. Maybe we can help some people. And so those will come and go. Those are affiliate-based uh, types of promotion. And that's primarily how we run our business. Really? Uh, really? Yeah, if we're paying for traffic, which we don't do, we're terrible at it. It's one of the things for 2023 that I want to get better. It's amazing that I could sell $57 million without paying a single penny for ads, right? Uh, but if you are doing more consistent traffic driving, then it typically will work out to once a week. Because I have a lot of clients who do that. Uh, they, you know, they come to me and I help them shape the webinar and then they just go out and they, they just drive traffic to it consistently. And maybe they're doing it at once a week live or they're transitioning more to they have a product that they sell on the front end and then they come in and do the webinar on the back of that. So now they're dealing with paid customers on the front end versus people who have never done business with them. And then they do webinars on the back. But anytime we have a new product or a new opportunity that we've stumbled upon, that we've vetted and that we think has massive potential, we roll it out. Uh, and then we start with our audience. We start with a few key select affiliates. And then if it works on our stage, if it works on their stage, then we do a, a product launch and we roll it out mm. to anybody and everybody that we think is is a good fit for it. So you guys aren't doing mostly paid ads, Facebook, Google, none of that stuff. You're mostly just working with affiliates and influencers, if you, if you will. Almost exclusively. Uh, wow. And then, of course, there's word of mouth. And then there's some sort of organic effects too. like, you know, I go speak at conferences, do podcasts like these. Uh, and people will come into the universe that way. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the biggest weakness in, in our marketing uh, is that we are not doing any paid advertising at this point in wow. time. Wow. I know, right? That's interesting. But then when you do work with people, you're able to kind of not have to pay that money up front because it's going to be an affiliate, split, uh, an affiliate split on the back end. Correct. So you can work with so many more people. That's really smart. Yeah, it's 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 a the grass isn't greener on the other side, right? No matter what model you're doing, however you right. get your traffic, there's advantages and there's disadvantages. Absolutely. Uh, and no matter who we are, and, and some of this is a matter of taste too. Uh, one of the things that I'll tell you is, is early on in my in my business career, I sacrificed family and health for business, mm -hmm. and it was a bad decision uh, because it, no amount of money makes up for for missing out on quality time spent with loved ones and no amount of money that you make uh, will improve your mental health or your physical health. 
And so these days it's less empire building. I'm not in that grind set anymore. You know, it's more of how can I get in there, do a good job, help a lot of people and still have a life outside of that because there's more to life than just money. And so it's a matter of, do I want to keep building a bigger mousetrap? Do I want to keep hiring more people? Do I want to increase my size of responsibilities and quantity of responsibilities? Uh, Yes, but not necessarily as aggressively as other people will. So it's like, yeah, we're going to master the affiliate game. We're going to master the offer game. We're going to master the webinar game. And then we'll start layering these other things on top of that. This is one of the things that I see that a beginners make a huge mistake with is they spread themselves too thin because they believe all these gurus. They're like, oh, I got to be omnipresent and then I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this and I got to do that. And then you look at like companies like Amazon, when they first started, they're like, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We only are going to sell books and and CDs and DVDs initially. And we're not going to have our own hosting company like we have now where they built their own hosting. And we're not going to be able to do uh, you know, streaming on demand, prime membership used to just be one thing. And now it's like a hundred and one things. And so I think people forget that. And so we've been really good at, let's get really good at the few things that, that make sense for us, become the best at those. And we're making more money than most people that, that do a lot of things really good instead of a few things exceptionally. Right. Right. What are the four keys of a good webinar? Oh yeah. (laughs) First of all, man, the offer, dude, uh, I want to sell a $10 bill for a dollar. That's the type, the types of offers that I'm creating uh, or trying to at least. So how can we make an offer so irresistible that a person would feel dumb if they didn't buy it? Uh, that's before we ever craft any webinar. It's kind of the, the, the old quote, if I had eight hours to chop a tree down, I'd spend the first six sharpening the ax. So first of all, it's the offer. The offer is everything. Uh, secondly is this messaging in my mind, I, I work this over and over again. And the message goes like this. What is the, the one thing that we can give an aha moment around where that person, once they hear it, they'll say, my life will never be the same again. Mm-hmm. I can never go back to the old way of doing things. I just had a client. He came in uh, uh, $25,000 a day for consulting. I, I quit doing it uh, a couple of years ago because I'm like, man, this is too much work. And I know it sounds ridiculous, right? Make 25000 in a day. Uh, but it's it's a, it's a hard work and it's not leverageable and all this other stuff. But he, he, he was persistent uh, and he kept saying, man, come on, do some consulting with me. Come on. He wouldn't quit. So I'm like, fine, I will. You know, it's so he came in. This was last Friday and we're recording on a Monday, right? Uh, and I said to him, his name is Ben, him and his wife came in, they have this really nice business. And I, I asked him, I said, what are all the objections and what are all the issues that you have when you sell this to your audience? And he's been selling it for about seven years now. And we wrote them all down. It was like 25 of them. I'm like everyone big and small. I want to, I want to know them all. And then I asked him a really simple question. I said, what's the biggest one that prevents somebody not, not, and not from a product perspective, but buying into the concept right? Well, I said, what's the biggest one out of all of these that really gives them problems? And then they told me what it was. And then I said, I said, and I I call this a a defined outcome, a clearly defined outcome. I said, okay, so if this is the issue, how do we give a very clear outcome of once we're done with this webinar, this will never be an issue for you again. Hmm. This one big thing here. And what we found is once we got that and we uncovered that, uh, some of these five or six other smaller objections, we could roll them all up into this one major theme 
this one major concept. But the idea here because it, it came because one day I was thinking, I'm like, man, forget, you know, a lot of people, when they try to change somebody, they try to like elevate them up. So it's kind of like, uh, here's how you're going to be a success. Here's how you're going to be able to accomplish this. Rah, 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 pump, 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 pump. Right. Uh, and I'm like, man, what if instead of trying to lift them up, let's instead make them, uh, unchained on the things that keep them down. Cause if naturally I've discovered, if we break limiting beliefs, people will, mm -hmm. will automatically improve as a result. But this is how a conversation works in my mind. You could show somebody and you tell me if this has happened with you, you know, you have the best thing for this person, you know, they're the perfect fit for it and you show it to them and they say, but dot, dot, dot. Right. Right. And you're like, come on, man, that ain't good enough. And then you solve that. You explain to them why that's not a thing. And they said, well, dot, dot, dot. Right. And you're like, when are you going to run out of excuses? You know, but, but no matter what you bring to this person, they will reject it because they're as big as their limit, whatever they limit themselves to, that's as big as they can grow. So if we're trying to swim upstream by forcing that. So I'm like, how do we cut off the chains that hold them down? How do we, uh, when they go to reach for that excuse, they no longer have it anymore. Now they have to listen. Now they have to be open to the opportunity. See, these the people have these limiting beliefs and the problem with them is they believe them 100% of the time. So if this person is firmly in, in the mindset that they're a failure, and you're speaking the language of success, you will lose every single time. Mm -hmm. So you have to speak the language of failing. You have to have them have doubt that they're going to fail. So wow. forget about teaching them success. Teach them how to doubt their own ability to fail. And then they say, well, maybe I won't fail this time. And then we can have the conversation. So whenever I'm creating that messaging, I'm like, what is their biggest limitation? And how can I create a crack in that foundation? So they can no longer reach for that excuse and stay down and stay small. Let's remove that. And then it becomes infinitely easier to bring them up to a higher level of frequency and vibration and soul and spirit and readiness. And so that's the, that's the second thing. Once I got, once I got the offer, then the second thing is messaging. And then the mm -hmm. third thing after that is just a matter of, of procedure in terms of how do I introduce it? So how do I set it up? Um, there's a reason why you need a you need a setup for a punchline if you're a comedian you can't just come out and tell the punchline so there's context and content and we got to put the context in place first we got to set it up before we pay it off and so that's the third thing that i'm looking at on a webinar now that i got the best messaging that paradigm shift that aha moment the i can never go back to the old way of doing things how do we set it up so when we reveal it it has maximum impact uh, mm -hmm. and that's the third thing and then the fourth thing is is believability. How do we present this in a way that it's, it's irrefutable, uh, that it has a preponderance of proof, that it is inassailable? And so anytime you're making a claim or anytime you're trying to prove your case, you should validate it. Uh, number one biggest mistake I see people do on webinars is, is they tell you, they don't show you. So they don't, and here's a simple way of doing this is, is if I can say like, you know, so this is the biggest website in the world, like TikTok right now is the biggest platform in the world. I could say that you might believe me, you probably would. Um, but if I also showed a screenshot from a news article that said it, then it becomes infinitely more believable. Mm. If I say I charge $25,000 for a day consulting, that's one thing. But if I show you the receipt of the client who paid for it, that's another thing. Then it becomes more believable. So on every single slide, once I'm done with the presentation, I go back and say, how can we show that, not just tell that? How can we prove that beyond any reasonable doubt? 
And I think ratcheting that up to that point of, of, of you have the best material and you're, and you're proving it every step of the way. Uh, I think those are the most important things that you could do on a webinar. Now there's other things and they're all interrelated and uh, you know, it's like a juggling act. So <laughs> you need more than that, but that's a good framework to start with. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I would ask you, um, in terms of like personality for people who want to do this, what do you think is a good trait for them to have? That's a great question. Uh, my answer isn't probably what you think it would be. Uh, the best trait you could have is a trait of curiosity, meaning I'm going to try this and see what happens and then tell your audience that. So the first time I ever did a webinar was in 2008. And I said, hey, there's this new media out there that I'm, I'm observing. And I think it might be a more effective way to teach. I'm not sure, though. And I've never used it before, so I, I don't know how it's going to be. But if you're willing to show up here and try this out with me, I think it might be awesome. Hmm. Are you game? It was essentially like that. That was a conversation that I had. Uh, and, and so this authenticity is really important. Uh, I tell clients this all the time. I say, you know, I have clients that are really good at presenting and they're terrible at selling, which is a problem because you got to be good at both to do webinars or uh, good enough, I should say. So when they go into the close, I tell them to use this close on a webinar. I say to them something along these lines, as long as this is true, this is the best close you could use. You could say, I'm scared out of my mind right now. I'm shaking. I'm nervous. And if my voice quivers and cracks, it's because I am absolutely freaked out. I'm afraid to sell you right now. However, I'm going to put myself in a state of personal discomfort to offer this to you because I believe if you're the right person, it's the best thing for you. So I'm willing to risk my own potential embarrassment and failure to bring this to you. Here's what it is. And I, that's like the best damn clothes you could ever use. Uh, yeah, I, I joke. I'm like, I wish I could use that. It's not true for me. So I can't use that. I'm like, man, I wish I was insecure and scared and doing it anyway. Because remember when I said earlier, show, not tell? You're showing somebody that it's okay to get out of your comfort zone. You're showing somebody that, that it's important to take risks. You could tell them that all day long and it barely lands. You show them and they're like, I, right, I'm going to buy now to help you out, even if it ain't for me. <laughs> So this, this state of curiosity, let me try this and see what happens and bringing your audience in on the deal. Uh, and then also at the same time, that that um, authenticity of if you're scared, say you're scared, uh, but still frame it in the proper context so somebody understands why it's important. And, yeah. and this goes to a larger point here is a lot of people try to make their webinars perfect before they're even done. It's like, forget these long, complicated funnels, forget the fancy slide decks, uh, forget all the other stuff. Just show up with a with a presentation that moves somebody in the heart, not just in the head. If you can transform somebody for 45 minutes, man, I don't know how you don't make money in a yeah. situation like that. The message matters the most. Forget about all of forget about the bun, forget about the lettuce, forget about the tomatoes. Bring the meat first, and then we can garnish it as it makes sense. Mm. I think one of the things that's always interesting to me and one of the things I've always been kind of curious about is how do you have an effective webinar without giving away everything that you're teaching? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. And it's something I used to struggle with for years. Uh, but what, what I discovered is this. So if we go after that number one constraint that holds somebody back, it's, a, it's oftentimes very myopic. It's a very narrow, narrow focus. 
uh, it is that one thing that they can't do that if they could do would change everything. And so ironically, some of my best webinars are on these extremely narrow subject matters. So we have to spend 45 to 60 to 75 minutes just to create a different model of reality for somebody within the, the context of that one thing. So like on the crypto webinar, I had to spend an ungodly amount of time just to help them understand um, the the alternative way that you can make money with crypto through these automations that are only making like a quarter at a time or a dime at a time or 33 cents at a time. Uh, so I spent the whole webinar just to explain that. And so then the rest of the program is everything around that, how to get to that point where you can run that automation, how to bring the money into crypto, other things that you can do with the crypto, how you can maintain safety uh, all around the whole concept as you do that. Uh, same thing with Amazon. Amazon is I had to paint. I, it took me all the presentation to paint the overview of the picture. Uh, they got it, but that was it. And so what do you do after that? And mm -hmm. so on anything, what you do is you you engineer the aha moment on that one specific thing. And then you relate it to the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I could ever do in one single session that could give you all the answers. Right. It's impossible. Um, you You can't do it. I can't do it nobody's that good. Maybe God can do it. And that's it. So until you're God, you ain't going to be able to do it. Uh, you need to show the one thing today that they're struggling with that when they're done, they say, Oh, I no longer can struggle with this thing anymore. It's impossible for me to struggle with this thing. Cause I now know a better way of doing it. And then you, you liberate that person. Oh yeah. I'll give you a great example. So I have this product called product E class that I sell and it's about creating information products. And there's so many ways I could teach you how to create information products. And by the way, it's not just the information product. You got to drive traffic to it. And then you got to create the advertisement around it. Um, my webinar, and it's been a webinar that has ran in some way, shape or form since 2009. This is a monster of a webinar. And it teaches one specific way, what I call the one, one, one. One problem, one solution, one sitting. Because that's how I created my first information product. I sat down and in one sitting, I wrote the whole thing. Uh, I focused on one very specific problem, which is how long it took to write an article. And I provided one specific solution, which is how to write the article with this one framework. So I teach people this on the webinar. I teach them the concept behind it, why it's important, why one, one, one type of products, why they're the probably the best one for you to do first if you've never created an information product. And so it takes me the whole webinar to do that properly and to do it justice. And so then the offer becomes, okay, there's other ways to do it besides this method. I'm going to show you those. And also here's how you drive traffic and here's how you create um, the advertisement around it. Here's how you build a business around it. And so by going very deep into one area, which is the biggest constraint in that market, I can't create a product. So nothing else happens until I create the product. We mm -hmm. solve that from the perspective of, oh, now I can see myself creating a product where I couldn't before because I thought it would take too long. I thought it would be too hard, require too much expertise, blah, blah, blah. We provide yeah. that solution. And now somebody's empowered. They want to take that empowerment and put it somewhere. So we give them yeah. somewhere to put it. And I think you can do that very effectively. The, the two camps that disagree with me, and I've proven them both wrong, is one camp says you can't teach anybody anything on a webinar because you're overwhelmed them. And so therefore, just stay high level, tell them what to do, but not how to do it. It's essentially hit them over the head and sell them an aspirin, right? It's a, it's a terrible model. I hate it, and I, but, but it works, kind of, at least in the short term, because they're right. If I rip open a womb and rub salt in it, and agitate you to the point where you're in absolute agony and pain. And then I, I sell you pain relief, right? 
you can do that. I don't know if that's the most ethical way of doing it. And I don't know if that's has the biggest longevity. So moral aside, morals aside, practically speaking, I think it's a bad way to build a business. So the other group of people, though, they go too far the other way. They say, we got to show them all kinds of stuff up front um, before we sell them anything in return. So we have to overgive. And the problem with that is you overwhelm. So you can't teach seven things on a webinar because now you're going to create an exponential amount of confusion. What you need to do is teach one thing on a webinar, teach it effectively to create that transformational experience and know that whatever you sell, by the way, if, if, if it's only one thing and it's done in 45 minutes, it, it doesn't belong on a webinar. You shouldn't be selling a thing at the end of the webinar. That should be an info product that somebody could buy off a sales letter or off a simple video, right? So like if you're, if you're selling true game-changing solutions, there's no possible way in 45 minutes you could give somebody everything that they would need to do that would render you inert. So give mm-hmm. them the one thing that is most important to change them today. And then show them how that new you can show up with all the other stuff you have if they're willing to invest with you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people, there's a lot of different webinar softwares out there. Uh, anyone that you recommend or do you even think it's even necessary? Whatever one's the easiest to get started with. Now, I'm partial to Zoom because I think long term, if you use it right, Zoom is going to make you the most amount of money. Uh, however, the least moving parts when you start, because remember, it's the messaging that matters the most. Uh, if somebody's drowning in water, you don't sit there and say, well, gee, I want to have the life raft look this way. <laughs> it better be red or blue. No, just get out there and save their life. And so mm-hmm. your audience is drowning. They need your help. And they don't really care too much the packaging. If somebody's dying of thirst, they're not going to complain if you give them tap water, right? Find the people dying of thirst and bring water to them. And then later on, you can build the packaging and the bottling and you can, you know, you know, source it from Fiji and all this other kind of stuff. But get in front of them as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. That is the way that you win in this game. Um, before I get to the rap questions, I'm curious, how do you stay motivated with all the things that you've accomplished so far? Yeah, that's a good question. It's uh, my purpose in life is contribution. And I feel the best when I help empower other people. And so the motivation is, man, there's like 8 billion people out there, dude. I barely started. (laughs) I got 150,000 customers in 131 countries. I ain't even hit all the countries yet, man. Uh, So I know there's somebody out there that I could reach that I'm not reaching right now. And I want to reach that person. And I'm on a hunt to find that person. And that's what keeps me motivated. That's what keeps the switches churning on and, and keeps me going. And and by the way, I, every year I learn that I don't know that much. Uh, so whatever I learned that year, I also learned that there's more that I didn't know than what I did know. So I'm just, I'm just beginning to really figure a lot of this stuff out. The good news is, is even knowing a thimble full of that information has allowed me to do incredibly well and reach the top heights of, of, of multiple industries to be considered the best in those industries but I'm just getting started. Uh, that's how I stay hungry. That's how I stay motivated. Um, what kind of books and podcasts are you are you listening to or reading? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, right now, and this changes a lot, I've, I've been going, getting back into conversational hypnosis again. <laughs> so I've been reading a lot of Milton Erickson. He was, the, he was the, essentially the inventor of conversational hypnosis uh, and these, these therapeutic, metaphorical sort of stories that he would tell. Because because I'm trying to get back in this mindset now, because we didn't do any social media either, man. When we did this launch and all these other launches is I was essentially non-existent on Instagram. Wow. I didn't have an Instagram account. 
uh, didn't have a TikTok account or a Twitter account, uh, didn't have Facebook, but I had like five friends on Facebook and we didn't do anything from a business perspective on Facebook. So I'm, I'm getting into that. YouTube is my number one thing. I want to, I want to do it big on YouTube. So I'm, I'm back there now studying and listening to the podcast of, of people that are doing big on social media and I'm taking notes and I'm trying to figure this stuff out. And so part of the reason I got back into the hypnosis was, uh, uh, the messaging of how do I create what's a what's an edge that I could have on social media? If everybody's doing X, let me get back into Y. How can I communicate in a way that's different than everybody else? And the other thing I've been doing lately is I'm reading this book called Make It Stick, uh, and it's it's heavily researched on learning. What are the most effective learning strategies? So A, I can become a better teacher, uh, but B, become a better learner. Because there's a again, I'm trying to learn now how to do social media, trying to learn what works over there. Uh, and so I'm reading and studying the things that enhance learning and also communication, communication that I don't have the skill sets to, or I used to, but I kind of lost them along the way that I'm getting back into. So that's my main focus these days. What is something through all of this webinars, informational products that's happened for you that you didn't expect? Oh yeah. Great question. Um, Really, what what happened to me is I got to the webinar game very early, uh, and I didn't teach how to do it. I just did it. And then a bunch of people were like, dude, you should teach that stuff. And so I taught it, but it was like 2012, and it was too early. I was ahead of the market, story of my life. So then I'm like, nobody wants that stuff. Uh, and then I didn't teach it. And then other people started teaching my stuff and pretending it was their stuff. But a lot of people started using it and were successful. So I missed the market there. So what baffles me, what blows my mind is I was still somehow able to become the de facto number one webinar on the planet. I'm like Michael Jordan of webinars. It's like it's not even a debate. Everybody just says he's the GOAT, right? Um, in spite of the fact that I didn't defend my territory, I didn't grow my territory, I didn't focus on the branding, I didn't do any of that stuff purely through the effectiveness alone. And the other thing is I wrote a book on it in uh, 2018 or end of 2017 called One to Many. And that book, when I originally launched it and sold it, and again, I, I kind of just did it because everybody was begging me to write the damn thing. So I, I did it. So I put it out there. I'm like, yeah, we'll sell a couple thousand copies and that'd be the end of it. Uh, we didn't sell that many to begin with. But then over the years, man, especially this last year, it just started picking up and selling like crazy. And I've had over a dozen people come up to me and say that book, which is like 10 bucks on Amazon or whatever. They're like, that book has made me a multimillionaire, just that book alone. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Okay. Maybe there's something there. Maybe I need to focus on it more. Maybe that's the thing that I could build up and put out there. It's kind of niche, but I don't think it's as niche as it used to be because I'm thinking with, you know, the pandemic and with Zoom becoming very popular and all this other stuff, I'm like, God, there's a lot there. So I think I've discounted the value of webinars and what they can truly do, which is insane considering how successful I've been with them. And I think I've discounted the appetite for, for the sincerity of people to want to learn how to do them. Cause my attitude was always like, well, gee, you gotta be good at public speaking. That's the number one fear in the world, right? You gotta be a subject matter expert. You got to be able to communicate effectively from a teaching perspective and you have to sell and there's technology involved. 
I'm like, forget it, man. It's a it's a miracle anybody ever does a webinar uh, successfully and effectively. <laughs> uh, but I'm finding that man, there's millions of people out there that that meet that criteria. And again, we can we can very easily bring down the technology. Like you don't necessarily need that much technology. You right. think you do, but you don't. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be an expert teacher. You just got to find, you got to be one step ahead of the market. So if you were them yesterday, you're the best person to teach them today. Uh, you don't have to teach too much. Um, if you do it right, the selling doesn't have to be like I used to think it was where you needed technique. Like I can have you selling uh, next week without any technique mm. um, or with very few technique, I should say. Because again, you just make the <laughs> offer so so insane that you don't even need the technique. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm learning, man. I'm learning a lot. Great, great conversation. Um, I think that's kind of like the best place to end it right there. You kind of hit it. Unless there's something that you wanted to discuss or share that I didn't get a chance to ask you about. Ah, uh, now this has been a pleasure. Anytime I can come on and speak on this and maybe enlighten a soul or two, I'm game. Yeah. Um, what do you have if people who wanted to work with you? um could reach out to you what do you have for them or where can they find you on social media what does that look like yeah so go to 250webinar.com i got a one pager there it's my exact framework of how i structure every webinar here's what i do in the intro content transition and close and you can go there and you can download it for free so that's at 250webinar.com we call it that because it's produced over a quarter billion dollars in sales wow so that's 250 the numbers 250 that's right 250webinar.com Great conversation. I learned a lot. Um, like I said, I'm in the space. And so now I'm like, I need to figure out how to kind of take it to the next level. So I'll be at 250 webinar and uh, hopefully working with you and learning to grow my business through webinars. I've been doing mostly social media marketing. It's cool, but it's kind of slowed down, especially with how Instagram has kind of shifted and uh, kind of throttling down on the algorithm and whatnot, giving you less reach. But I need to take it to the next level. So great conversation. I'm inspired. Make sure you guys go to that website, check it out, get that information and work with this brother. He has really crushed the game when it comes to online webinar and online business at levels that most of us aspire towards. So um, anything that you can learn from him is going to take it to the next level. With that, it's another episode of the Millionaire Podcast. Charles Oglesby, Todd, Millionaire, and we are out. Peace. Thanks, man. That was great. Um, Thank you.